Well, good morning. I bring you greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one that gives us a way to the Father. And uh, as I was preparing for this message and thinking about um, coming here and, and sharing a message, there was a, uh, something that stood out to me, became very precious to me this week as I was going through my week. My week had some interruptions that, that maybe weren't planned, and, and, uh, and I was preparing a, a devotional for, a, uh, for the school on Friday morning, and I came across a, a psalm, and it's Psalm 63, and there's some just precious words that, that ministered to my heart this week in this psalm. And as I think about Jesus and, and him drawing us and showing us the way to the Father, there's something about the psalmist and his relationship with God that I, that I it was actually mentioned in our Sunday school uh, class as well, that there is this, this close relationship that, that is so often uh, demonstrated. And in Psalm 63, David starts a psalm and he says, Oh God, thou art my God. And in my Bible, and I don't know when I wrote this or if it, if it came from someone else, I, I don't know. But in the margin of my Bible, as I was studying for, for the devotional um, for school, I have written in the, in the margin of my, my, Bible, my Bible this thought. And I don't think we do just, disjust, uh, injustice to Scripture by doing this. Oh, Father, thou art my daddy, is a concept that is that is in these words of the psalmist. Father God, you are the place that I go when I need you, when I need that acceptance, when I need that closeness, when I need that, that place of belonging. The psalmist is crying out. He's saying, oh God, you are my God. Personal this morning. Personal to the psalmist personal to me, and I trust is, it can be a challenge to you. David then, in the following verses, and we're not going to look more at this psalm, but he breaks out in adoration for his father. He breaks out in adoration for his God. And, and he, just, he just gives this picture of the closeness of relationship that he has with his heavenly father. And I just challenge, I was challenged with that thought as, we, as, I was, as I was preparing this message. It was something that was real to me this week. And, um, and I trust that it can be an encouragement to you as well as you look into the scriptures and as you relate to your heavenly father. And as I relate to my heavenly father, he is the one that calls us to have that confidence. That, that place of belonging that is found in him. And um, this morning I've chosen to preach a message titled, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, Jesus, in the Revelation, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 13, he says, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, uh, Omega. I am the beginning, I am the end. And this morning, there is something that can comfort our hearts and give us joy and give us confidence as we think about a God that does not change, as we think about a God that is always the same, that Father that I can run to, that I belong to, 
There is a sense of, of, of tremendous comfort and there's a sense of tremendous belonging when we realize the fact that even though all of life has changes, we serve a God that does not change. We serve a God that stays the same. I don't think we can comprehend a God that is from eternity past through eternity future. I've been out on the ocean a few times in a, in a boat and there's something that is, it's almost unnerving when you're out there and you can look in every direction and all of you see is the horizon ends into the sea, okay? That's kind of the picture of a God that never ends, okay? You, there's, it just keeps going and going and going, okay? And that's our God. You know, the fact is that as humanity, we have, we change, right? Um, is there anybody here that doesn't change? You know, take a moment for us that are maybe 30 and older. Take a moment and reflect back to the time when you were 16 or so. For those of you that are younger, maybe back as far as you can remember. You know, when I do that, I have this realization how much change takes place in my life. And how much God has worked in my life, and, I, and, I, and I'm thankful for that. But the reality is that as people, we change, and there's, there, there's, there's always this change that is taking place. But if we consider God and his laws that are around us, God never changes. Gravity is still gravity. This, the, the, I, was just, I was just teaching science uh, on Friday, and, and we read about the, the, how they can predict the location of heavenly bodies for, for, for an extended period of time. Why? Because of an unchanging God, a God of order, a God that, is, that has things just in, a, in such a way that, that it's consistent. And there's something that is, that is tremendously um, beautiful about that. We must conclude this morning that the unchangeableness of our God is a divine quality, a quality that only he possesses. Now we endeavor to possess that divine quality, but as humanity, we are, we are changeable people. So, so this morning, we're going to look at the, the title of Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our text is going to be coming out of Hebrews, but we're going to uh, turn a few places before that. You know, as we, as we consider that God does not change, God has this plan for humanity. And God's plan for humanity never changes, okay? Um, sometimes as we, um, we think about the Old Testament and New Testament and, and, and some of the, and we talked about that a little in Sunday school, some of those changes that, that take place from Old Testament to New Testament, there are people that use that to discredit the validity of God's of who God is because of his changeableness uh, as they perceive it. But I would like to uh, call our attention into Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. There's a verse that is here that this is right after the fall. This is right after, um, right after Adam and Eve sinned. And God makes this proclamation to, um, to Adam and Eve. Uh, 
and, and, uh, and, to, and to the serpent. He says in verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is right after the fall, and as we take a look at this, at this verse... God, at the very moment of man's sin, was proclaiming to Satan himself that even though Satan had a temporary victory over humanity, that God was going to come and through the person of Jesus Christ, as we see it from from the New Testament time, was going to come and have ultimate victory throughout eternity. You see, this morning, God God has a plan for mankind, a plan that included a redeemer, to redeem mankind from from sin. If we go into Galatians chapter 4, another verse that speaks of of God's plan for humanity. Galatians chapter 4, and verses 4 and 5, says this, it says in verse 4, it says, but when the fullness of time was come, okay, in God's time, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. What a beautiful set of verses. But when the time was right, God says, I am going to bring this plan that I have to redeem mankind and I'm going to bring it to fruition and I'm going to bring redemption. So that we can have this adoption of sons to our Heavenly Father, that one that we run to, the one to whom we can belong. God's plan for humanity has always been a people that are redeemed to himself. A people that were his own. A people that loved him, that had that closeness of relationship with him. Now I invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. And this is our text for this morning, Hebrews chapter 13, and we are going to begin reading in verse 8 and read through verse 16. Verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Jesus never changes. Jesus remains the same throughout all of time. And so it begs a question of us this morning, who is Jesus? Who does he say that he is? Who is it that, that, that is this person of Jesus Christ that never changes? 
And so if you um, follow with me just a little bit, we're going to jump into several passages of Scripture where Jesus reveals to, his, to us who he is. And, and, and that person of Jesus Christ never changes. John chapter 10, a very familiar passage of Scripture, but we see here in John chapter 10 the two uh, things that Jesus reveals to us that he is. If we go into John chapter, one, uh, chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. He that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth them forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger. Jump down into verse 8. I'm sorry, uh, verse, verse 7. It says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. We're going to stop right there. Jesus reveals to us who he is. Jesus says here in this passage of scripture, he says, I am the door. A door serves several purposes. A door allows entrance, okay? And Jesus, Jesus um, tells us here that, that very thing. He says, it's through me, the door, that we can come in and that we can find that satisfaction of relationship that, is, that can be had in, a, in, in Jesus Christ. So a door allows entrance, if we go into John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus says, No man cometh to the Father but by me. Dear ones, this morning there is something that will never change throughout all of eternity. And that is a fact this morning that Jesus Christ is the door. Jesus Christ is the way to the Father. The way to that relationship with God. Many Christians today deny the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. Another thing that we see here in this passage is that the door gives protection. A door gives safety. We're thankful these cold, windy days that we can shut the door, right? And it keeps out the elements. It gives us a, a, a sense of protection. Maybe, maybe um, some of you, I, if you, my house is a pretty easy one to rob because we tend not to lock doors. But, but you know, a locked door limits access. Okay, there is protection and there is safety in, in a door that is closed and locked and, and, and so on. And I believe this morning that Jesus is also saying to us that there is protection as we come and as we, as we put ourselves within the sheepfold that he has prepared here in, in, in John 10. He's using that example. He says the thieves and the robbers, they came, they came to me, but you didn't even know it. 
because you were inside behind the door, Jesus Christ. Dear ones, this morning, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus Christ, as we come and as we come in, into this relationship with him through, through the entrance of the door, it also brings us protection. And I wonder sometimes how often we would be surprised at how much protection God places over his people. I'm not talking only about physical protection, but I'm talking about spiritual protection. You know, sometimes the onslaught of, of, of Satan is difficult and it's hard and, and we're in temptation and we're in distress and we say, I can't take no more, right? Have you ever been there? I've been there. And yet God tells us in his word, he says, I won't let anything greater than you can bear come upon you. That's in my own words. Jesus is saying, something's never going to change. I am that place of protection. I only allow what, what, what you as my children I, I, are, are, are to see, are to handle. God is that protector. And dear ones this morning, that will never change. He's the same throughout all of eternity. Need to move on quickly. Another thing that we see here, actually right in John 10 yet, if we go on into the next verse, verse, or verse 11. Oh, I missed verse 10. Uh, verse 10, one phrase in there that I want to pick out. He says, the thief cometh not for, for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. Okay, The giver of abundant life is Jesus Christ, and that never changes as well. The next thing that I see in verse 11 and we could read quite a few verses here. But Jesus also says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. And he goes on and he gives this example of a good shepherd. A good shepherd that loves his sheep. If we go into verse 11, it, 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 um, he gives his life for his sheep. If we go into verses 17 and 18, he says he lays down his life for his sheep and so on. This shepherd has a tremendous love for his sheep. In verse 14, and we didn't take the time to read this, he speaks of a shepherd's voice and how his sheep hear his voice and they come at his call. This shepherd has a relationship with his sheep. His sheep know his voice. He leads his sheep in, verse, in, 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 uh, in this passage of scripture. He, he leads his sheep. He gives them guidance. He cares for his sheep. You know, as we look back across our own lives and as we look back across the life of the church, we can see God's care for his people. I marvel. I enjoy history. And I marvel as I look back over all the corridors of time how God has always had a faithful church. You know why? Because God is a good shepherd. Jesus is a good shepherd that cares for his people, that has this, has this, this guiding care that he gives to, to his sheep. I own some sheep. That doesn't make me a good shepherd. Okay? But you know, as we take a look at Jesus Christ and his tender care for his people, as we look at the guidance that he gives to his people, the relationship he desires to have with his people, Jesus Christ is truly the good shepherd. And you know what? This morning, in 2024, 
We sit here and we read these words, and they are as true today as the day that Jesus gave them to his disciples. Because Jesus never changes. Another thing that we see about Jesus quickly is in John chapter 14. And in our, in our, um, in our Sunday school, we read this entire chapter this morning. John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus says this, And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus gives three things here that he is. He says, I am the way. I am the pathway. I am the roadway. I am the, I, I am, I am the, the, the way to go to travel to a destination. If we go into Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. And this morning... There's some things that never change, okay? Jesus Christ is the way. He is the way to the Father. He is the way to eternal life. And this morning, that way is still straight and narrow and difficult. And yet God gives us the grace. We're going to look at that here in a little bit. God gives us the grace to go on and walk the path that he calls us to walk. Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus says also that I am the truth. If we go into John chapter 1 and verse 14, Jesus says there, he says, the, the scripture says there, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This morning, Jesus Christ is truth. Truth never changes. And this morning, we are privileged to have this book that we can hold in our hands that, de- that, that declares to us the truth that God has us to know. It's a tremendous p- privilege. Truth never changes. Truth will endure, endure through all time. You know, there's many people today that withstand truth. Because truth brings judgment. Truth brings clarity to, to what, is tr- what is good and what is evil. And there's many people today that want to withstand truth. But this morning I'm here to tell us that Jesus Christ established truth throughout all the corridors of time. And that truth will go on throughout all of eternity. And so for us to sit here and to try to, to, um, to do away with the truth that is in Jesus Christ, is a fickle thing for us to do. Because this truth that Jesus has given to us will endure forever. Jesus also says here in this verse, he says, I am the life. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Dear ones, this morning, Jesus is life. And I believe we all know this morning that we're talking about spiritual life. Jesus is life. And I believe this morning that 
There is no spiritual life apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, we, we can go through the motions of living for Jesus, but there is no spiritual life apart from Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. And the fact is, this morning, that that will never change. That has been and always will be. So a second point this morning, what is our response to an unchanging Jesus? Go back with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 13. <clears throat> Our response to an unchanging Jesus, picking up in verse 9. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. And then he goes on in verse 9 and he says, Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. To be established with grace. We need to be people that root ourselves in the, in the person of Jesus Christ. In the, in the um, unchangeableness of Jesus Christ. You know, when things come our way. When we are rooted and grounded in the person of Jesus Christ. It gives a tremendous stability. You know, so often things come our way that we don't quite know what to do with. Or maybe I'm just different than you all. But there's so often things come our way that we're just not quite sure what to do with. And I believe this morning that as we put our roots, if you will, into the person of Jesus Christ and his unchangeableness and into his word. It can bring about a stability in our lives that is, that is beyond what earth can know, okay? Beyond what people that are without God's word can know. To be carried about is something of no stability. It, it has the idea of being, of being bounced around on waves, okay? Uh, this, this, uh, this word carried about here in verse 9. Um, Diverse. Uh, of uncertain, uh, of uncertain uh, origins, um, it uses that word here. Strange, it uses that word here in this verse as well. You know, something that isn't quite understood, okay? Something that isn't quite recognized, this thing of strange. But God calls us to be those people that even though these things are around us, and he's speaking particularly of doctrine, that we should have our foundation on the unchangeable Jesus, in, in, in our lives. If we turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 14. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. Says, for he is our... I'm sorry, that's uh, chapter 2. And no wonder I'm not seeing it. Okay, chapter 4 and verse 14. It says, That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, 
even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. To grow up into Jesus, to grow up into, into, this, into this stability that Jesus calls for his people to have. To fasten our anchor upon that which is unchanging. He also goes on here in Hebrews chapter 13. He, and he says that we are to be established with grace. What is grace this morning? Grace is the divine influence upon the heart. Not our own ability. When I establish myself without the grace of God in my life, it is simply stubbornness. Okay? You know, and we've all, some of us have more of a tendency to stubbornness than others probably. It comes from a lot of us have German background, and I think we, we inherit it honestly, probably. Um, you know, we're, we kind of just say, well, this is where I stop, okay? And, and then we stop right there, okay? And maybe that's just my own personality. But you see, God calls us to be those people that are established with grace, okay? The divine influence of the heart, allowing God to, to influence our heart, to establish ourselves in the things of Jesus Christ. So a response to an unchanging Jesus is to have a heart that is filled with the grace of God and rooted and grounded on the things of the Lord. If we look in verses 11 and 12, the next thing that we want to look at that is a response is faith in Jesus Christ. Verses 11 and 12 speak about the Old Testament sacrifice. And the replace, the, the, how Jesus came and, and, he, and he fulfilled the law of the Old Testament and, and gave us this new covenant, this new and living way uh, to, to the Father. And, um, and Jesus Christ calls us to be those that are, that, that are sanctified. In verse 11 it says, um, I'm sorry, verse 12, it says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the camp. Dear ones, this morning, as we think about Jesus Christ and his unchangeableness, we need to be people that fasten our eyes upon Jesus, upon his sacrifice, upon the, upon the, the, the blood of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, and allow the work of sanctification through faith in Jesus Christ to, to fill our hearts and our lives. It tells us here in this passage of scripture that we are to, to go to him bearing his reproach. God wants us to be those people that are, that are sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. It requires a, a life of faith. It requires a life of accepting the sacrifice that God has given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Another thing that I see in response to an unchanging Jesus is this whole idea of hope. You know, how valuable would the promises of God be if they changed? You know, sometimes you, you, uh, somebody will tell you something and you know it's probably not going to happen the way it's stated, right? Because we're changeable people. Um, but Jesus, when he gives us the promises of his word, because of his unchangeableness, we can, we can take it to the bank, as the expression is, right? We can count on that for, for life. And if we look here in verse 14, he speaks about, about um, heaven. He says, for here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. I see in this verse that there is hope that can be established in our hearts 
because of what Jesus Christ has promised to us and his unchangeableness in life. You know, without the promises of God, we would be living an empty existence in following Jesus, Jesus Christ. Without the unchangeableness of Jesus, we would have no confidence in the promises that we hold, hold dear to ourselves. And I believe this morning we all know and understand and recognize that because of Jesus' consistency of who he, of who he was, who he is today, and who he will be in the future, the promises of God this morning, dear ones, are sure. They're not something that are fickle. You know, we use this word hope, you know, a little lightly in our English language. We use it kind of like, well, I hope that the sun is shining today or, you know, tomorrow or whatever. You know, we use it as something that is, is desired, okay, is kind of how often in our English language this word hope is used. But as we look in the scripture, the word hope is actually something that is, that is much deeper than that, okay? As we think about hope in the scripture, when, when something was hoped for in the scripture, there was something that was kind of banked on, okay? Something that, was, that, was, that was, had some substance to it, not just a, a fickle looking forward to something if, in, in, in life. And so God gives us promises that we can, that we can um, be sure of. If we go into 2 Peter, there um, is a verse here that is, that is beautiful. 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse 4, it says this. It says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Dear ones, this morning, when we look at Jesus Christ and at who he is as an unchanging God, it gives us confidence this morning in putting our hope, our trust in the promises of Jesus Christ. Another thing that I see as a response to the unchangeableness of Jesus Christ, here in Hebrews chapter 13, if we look in verse 15, he tells us here that we are to have the sacrifice of praise to God continually, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. I don't know about you this morning, but because of the unchangeableness of Jesus Christ, it allows my heart to rejoice. It allows my heart to rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ is going to be the same tomorrow as he was today. And as we look back across the, the, the word of God and we see God's faithfulness through all the generations of time, he is going to be as faithful today as he was in time past. And that comforts my heart. And it brings joy to my life as I know that God is able to bring about and to accomplish his purposes in life. Because of his unchangeableness, we can rejoice in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about the psalmist. We read a little bit out of the Psalms this morning. He rejoiced continually. In Jesus Christ, in New Testament term, terms, in his God, okay? He, he rejoiced 
because he knew that his God was able. He was confident that his God was there. He was confident that his father was there that he could run to when in distress. In 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 9, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are we being faithful in our response to an unchanging Jesus? In showing forth his praises because of what he has done for us in the past, what he is doing in our lives now, and what we are confident he will do in our lives in time to come. Another thing that is a response of our hearts is a response of obedience. He says here in verse 16, he says, But to do good and to communicate forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. To do good and to forget not. I see in that obedience. God looks for obedience from his people because he stays the same. To us as parents, or maybe teachers or church leaders, if only we could possess this divine quality as Jesus Christ does, right? I think we all know as parents that a child thrives under clear discipline, clear knowing where where the lines are, right? A child thrives under that. And this morning, think about living in obedience to, to Jesus Christ. The confidence that we can have because of our unchanging Jesus. What he said was right yesterday is right today, and it'll be right for all eternity. What he says is wrong yesterday will be wrong today, and it'll be wrong throughout all of eternity. And dear ones, this morning, that gives us confidence to move forward in, with life, lives of obedience because of who Jesus Christ is. And I believe it's a, just a beautiful thing when we see Jesus Christ as the one that never changes. James chapter 1, verse 7. James chapter 1, verse 7, says this. I'm sorry, verse 17. says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. And I want you to catch this next phrase. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. No variableness, neither shadow of turning. God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. So much so that there's not even a shadow of turning. There's not even the thought of turning. There's not even the the appearance of turning. God is the same. Jesus is the same. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse, verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture thou shalt fold them up. And they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall fail not. I don't know of anything that this world knows that doesn't change. 
But dear ones, this morning, we can know the security of being in a relationship with one that never changes. This morning, are we people that are responding, responding in faith, responding in in confidence to the one that never changes? Are we willing to take the promises of the word of God? Are we willing to take those promises and stand on those promises even when things are difficult, even when the going is, is, is difficult? Are we willing to stand on the promises that God has, has given to us. There's a song that the songwriter has written. The song, The Solid Rock. And just a phrase out of that. says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I ask us this morning, is that our Situation Is that where we find our hearts completely leaning on an unchangeable Jesus? I trust that is your experience. And if it is not, get into God's word and understand the unchangeableness that God has, has there for us, that we can have confidence in him. Let's kneel together for a word of prayer.